Well, good morning, church. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that if you're here in person, we're so grateful to see you. And if you're online, we're so thankful to have you with us as well. And as I was thinking and as Lindsay was praying, um, you know, a few weeks ago, we talked about how God brings the water, but sometimes we have to dig some ditches, right? And so I would just encourage you after reflecting on the, the last week and the events and the floods and the lives that have been uh, just devastated by, by this rain, um, I was thinking, you know, it's not enough for the church to pray. Like, we got to be the church and we got to pray, but sometimes we got to pick up our shovels and we got to dig some ditches. And so that means sometimes we got to get out there and get our hands dirty. And so we're trying to uh, be the church in, in uh, Floyd County. And so uh, we invited you to bring uh, flood relief buckets, which many of you have done. And it's awesome. I was out there to see them all. So thank you for providing in that way. And so these are going to help families to uh, clean up. And uh, once the flooding has, uh, the water has gone away, uh, and it gives them a chance to clean up. We also uh, want you to know we're partnering with uh, Crossroads Missions, and Tim is here somewhere. Tim, raise your hand. There he is right there. And so Tim from Crossroads Mission is with us today, and he's helping us to, uh, to um, figure out how we can uh, best help uh, the folks in um, Maytown as well as Wayland and maybe even into Garrett. And so uh, the plan was originally to help them on Tuesday and Wednesday, but with more rain coming, uh, we decided to push the pause button right now to see what that does and to see how we can best serve those communities. But so stay tuned on Facebook and, and we'll send out text messages to let you know uh, when we'll be uh, kind of putting boots on the ground and helping Crossroads Missions and other uh, ministries out there to help those communities that are underwater. And uh, so that's a second way. And a third way is that we are going to be providing a meal on Tuesday evening. There's about 140 um, folks that have been displaced out at the lodge. They're, they're living at the lodge right now, Jenny Wiley. And, uh, and so we're going to go out there on Tuesday night and we're going to provide dinner for those uh, folks. So we invite you to come and uh, be there around 545 on Tuesday night. Wear your warehouse t-shirt if you have one. And, and it's just be an opportunity for us to love on the people and to be there and to walk with them through this and to say, hey, there's a church in your community that loves you. There's people in your community that love you and are here for you. And, uh, and we're not going to leave you um, stranded. So, uh, so if you want to participate in that, uh, you can do that. There's many of other opportunities as well. As you know, you've been watching Facebook like I have, and there's just so many different opportunities to help out. But these are the three ways that uh, Warehouse Church is doing our part uh, to be the church and the community. And so, uh, so yes, pray. Uh, I want to encourage you to continue to pray for these families. Continue to pray that God would just move this rain that's supposed to come up this week. Just move it. Uh, and so it doesn't rain here again so that we can do the, the, the hard job of helping people uh, get their lives back together. And uh, so, yes, pray, but let's be the church. Let's find ways to help our neighbors. If you know people, do whatever you can to help them. If you need help in that, let us know, and we'll see what we can do. Um, we're going to deliver these buckets. We're going to continue. If you want to bring buckets tomorrow, I'll be at the church. You can bring them by tomorrow, and I will hold off on delivering them until uh, Tuesday morning. So they're, they're here. Uh, if you can bring more, that'd be great. And, uh, and then Tuesday night, 545, um, we'll be helping out and serving dinner at the lodge. We're providing it and also serving it. So, uh, so great opportunities to be the church, and I'm grateful that we can, uh, we can do that. And so uh, today, though, uh, we're going to wrap up our, our message series. Uh, we've been looking at the life of the prophet Elijah. And, uh, and so I hope that you've gotten a lot out of this, but uh, today is our last day looking at, the, at his life and discovering. Today we're going to discover how to get our spiritual edge back. 
And, uh, and I think this is a really important message uh, for us. And so before we dive in, though, uh, let me just ask you a question. And, it, and it's a question that I think all of you will be able to answer uh, in, in, a, in a way that you'll be like, yep. Uh, but how many of y'all have ever lost anything or misplaced anything? Anyone ever done that? Uh, so a few of you have, uh, a few of you have not, I don't believe it. Um, but uh, so we've all lost some things. And uh, how many would say even you would go as far as to say that you're often looking for things that you've misplaced? How many of y'all? So I'm glad my wife raised her hand uh, because um, that way I don't have to look like, uh, you know, the bad guy up here. But my wife is really good at this, especially with her phone. And, uh, and so she's always going, where did I put my phone? Where did I put my phone? And then she's this cool invention of a watch, a smartwatch, that will actually help her find her phone. And so now she can just push that button and you'll hear beep, 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 and she can go and find her phone. But she's always misplacing her phone. And, uh, and just the other day, I was thinking about this, and I left the house just the other day, and I left it without my phone. And you know, like, you can't do that. You can't survive, right, without your phone. So I'm driving down the road. I'm like, oh, I left my phone. And I turn around. I go back to the house to find my phone. And I can't find it. Uh, and I'm looking all throughout the house for my phone. I'm going, where did I last leave it? And I'm going to every single place of where I would normally put my phone. And, 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 and I'm already running late for an appointment. I remember I'm running late for an appointment. And, and I can't find it. And I was going to be really late. So I'm scurrying around the house looking for every possible place, and I must have passed it at least three times in my search. Like, I know that I walked by it three times and didn't see it, and eventually I found it sitting on my bathroom counter, and our countertop's like really dark, and my phone like blended right in with it, and I could not find it at all until finally I looked there, and I never leave my phone there. So it was the weirdest thing, uh, but I finally found it, and it wasn't lost, right? My phone wasn't lost. It was just misplaced. And today, I want to talk about uh, losing something else. And, and here's what I know, that there's a probably a really good chance that many of you have actually lost something spiritual in nature. That, that, that you've lost physical things. You've lost your phone. You've lost your keys. Uh, you've lost, hopefully not your children, but maybe you have. You lost some things. But today, I want us to think about uh, maybe there's some people in this room that have lo actually lost your edge spiritually. And, and that some of us, like here's an example, some of us have lost our passion for God or the things of God. Like if you reflect on your life, you used to, you used to have it, but now you don't. You used to be really passionate about God or you used to be really passionate about the things of God, but now not so much. Uh, some of you have lost your joy. I mean, you've lost your joy. There used to be this deep level of spiritual contentment and joy in your life. And along the way, well, you're just not quite sure how you lost it. Some of you at one time or another, you had a great faith and you prayed, and you believed God for big things, and you had hope in God, and you had a hope in a God who was good, and that has plans to bless you and to prosper you. But today, today you're like, you know what? I'm not praying for much of anything. I'm certainly not praying for big things, and you're not even sure anymore what you believe about all this Christian stuff. You had something spiritual at one time, but you lost it along the way. And so we've been looking at the prophet Elijah. And, and, and today we're going to talk about one of what I would consider to be the oddest miracles in the Bible. 
And, and so far, as we've looked at the life of Elijah, Elijah has performed some amazing miracles. I mean, if you even went back and you maybe you wanted to be a little extra credit and you went back and read 2 Kings to find out a little bit more about Elijah, you would see that he performed some really incredible, incredible miracles. Like he, he healed a body of water, a poisoned body of water, which saved a community. But not only did he do that, he raised a boy from the dead. And last week we read about how he provided, provided for a widow who was about to lose her two boys after losing her husband. And then we, if you read on, you, you learn that he healed a guy named Naaman. And, and Naaman was the commander of the Syrian army and he had leprosy and Elijah heals him. He also blinded, blinded, like made the entire army blind to move forward the things of God. So Elijah has done some incredible things, and he's done some significant things in his career as a prophet. And then we get to uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And we're like, today's miracle, it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd one. Like, it's really strange because it's about this seminary student who borrowed an axe and was chopping at a tree, and the axe head flew off the handle into the river and he thought he'd lost it and then elijah the man of god he takes a stick the bible says and he throws it into the water and the axe head floats up to the top and we're like well that's really cool if you're reading it you're like well that's kind of cool that's like a neat magic trick like i didn't know you were david copperfield elijah i mean that's really cool you brought an axe head up out of the water and floated on top of the water and you're probably going but why like, what's the significance of this? Why would Elijah do this really cool magic trick for this seminary student? And so let me give you a couple things that I find significant uh, about this, and then we're going to jump into the story. The first thing that I find significant about this is that back in Elijah's day, iron, which is what the axe head would have been made out of, Iron was valuable, extremely expensive during this time. And it was really hard to come by. Like it was just one of those resources that you didn't have a whole lot of. And, 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 and so this kid who was studying under prophet, he's the seminary student, uh, who was studying under Elijah, he loses the ax head and, and he was likely very poor. Like, like every other seminary student, extremely poor, like every college student living on student loans and living off a of ramen noodle soup. Like that's what this guy was. He was poor and he didn't have a whole lot of money. And now he's borrowed this axe uh, from someone who's probably pretty wealthy. He borrows the axe. He's chopping away at the tree. And now he loses the axe head because it flies off into the river. And there was no way that he could pay it back. I mean, he's got to be freaking out because he knows that there is no way he could afford even a part of the iron to replace the axe head. He was what we call a non-profit prophet. <laughs> I know, the jokes just keep coming. And so, uh, and so this kid doesn't have two nickels to rub together, and he's a little panicked because he doesn't know what he's going to do. And then we see Elijah. And we see Elijah bring the axe head back, which shows us what I think is really significant about this. And here's what it is, that God actually cares about the little details in our lives. I want you to hear that today, that God actually cares about the little details in our lives. And when I read that, I'm like, that's comforting to me. 
Like it's comforting to me to know that God actually cares about the little things that are going on in my life. Like I want you to know that God cares about the people who have lost their homes. God cares about the peoples who have watched their homes be washed away. God cares about the people who have lost animals and pets. God cares about the people who have lost everything that they own because God cares about the little details in our lives. And I hope you find that as comforting as I did because no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing in life, I want you to hear this, that God cares about it. God cares about what you're experiencing. If you have a headache, listen, God cares about that. If, if you have a chemistry test, God cares about that. If, you, if your car won't start again, God cares about that. If you've lost your phone, God laughs, and then he cares about it. And so our God cares about the little things. And now let's dive into our story today. So if you have your Bibles, open them up, 2 Kings chapter 6. And, and I want us to find a few other really good principles out of this story beyond the fact that God cares about the little details in our lives. And so, um, but before we do, let me just give you some context. If you remember, Elijah was mentored by Elijah. So Elijah was Elijah's teacher. I know it's confusing, but you can track with me. And Elijah was mentored by Elijah. And now we see in this story, leading up to the story, that Elijah is mentoring the next generation of young prophets. Like Elijah was living out one of our core values here at Warehouse Church, which is to think legacy. He was thinking about the generation coming up behind him and the prophets, the young prophets that would replace him. And so he's teaching them. And there was uh, all of these young prophets and they wanted to learn from the very best. And so they wanted to learn from Elijah. And they're like, Elijah, teach me how to be a prophet. Like, teach me how to do the things that you've done. I want to help move God's uh, work forward in this world. And so he builds a school. He builds a school for the prophets. And there were so many of them that they immediately grow out of the size of the, of the building that he built. And so that's where we pick up in 2 Kings chapter 6 starting in verse 1. So if you want to read along, here's what it says. It says, the company of the prophets said to Elijah, so the company are the students, the company of the prophets said to Elijah, look, the place where we meet with you is way too small for us. Let us go to the river Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place for us to meet. So what the students have said is said, hey, let's go borrow some axes and let's go up by the river and let's chop down some trees and let's build us a new schoolhouse for prophets. And so Elijah says, go. He's like, great idea. Go ahead. Start the building project. And then verse 3, it says, then one of them said, well, won't you please come with your servants? They're like, why don't you come with us? We want you to come and help and see what we're doing. And so Elijah says, I will. And he went with them. And they went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. Verse 5, as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. Oh, no, it was borrowed. So we've got this kid, this seminary student, chopping at a tree. The axe head flies off the handle into the river. And, and, and notice what he says. He doesn't say, oh, explicative. He doesn't say, oh, crap. He doesn't say any of those things. He says, 
He says, oh, oh no, my Lord, it was borrowed. It was borrowed. He doesn't cuss. He doesn't freak out. He's just worried about repaying whoever he borrowed it from. He goes, oh no, it was borrowed. And then we read on in verse 6, and here's what it says. It says, the man of God asked, where did it fall? So Elijah asked him, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Now listen, besides God caring about the little details in our lives, I think there's really one major point that I want you to embrace and then remember today. And we're going to come back to it again and again. And here's what it is. You might want to write it down. It's this. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. That those of you who are sitting here today and maybe you've lost something spiritual in nature. You're not as passionate about God as you used to be. I want you to remember I want you to remember that God is really into, like really into helping you find what you didn't know that you had lost. He loves to do that. Now, as we talk about losing the ax head or losing the edge, what I want to do is I want to show you metaphorically how this could apply to your spiritual life. And I want to teach it to you symbolically. I want us to take this experience that Elijah and this young student uh, had, and I want to show what it means to us symbolically. And the big question that I want you to ask is this. It's this. How have you lost your spiritual edge? Like, I just want you to think about that question this morning. Everything that we talk about today, filter it through that question. How have I lost my spiritual edge? And those of you that are Christians, be honest. Like those of you that have been following Jesus, be honest and ask yourself, have I lost my spiritual edge? Like, am I not as passionate about God as I used to be? Do I don't, I don't get as fired up about the things of God as I used to. I don't do the things that I used to do. I'm not as uh, excited about being a Christian as I once was. How have I lost my spiritual edge? Now, some of you may say, well, Pastor Rick, uh, I hear you, but I really, I don't feel like I've lost my spiritual edge. Like, I feel like, like things are going well. I feel like I'm still passionate about God. I'm still passionate about moving or doing the things that move God. And so and I would say to you, thank God. Like, I'm so thankful. I want to celebrate with you that, that you're continuing to grow in your faith and you're continuing to keep your edge. And I would just say, don't stop. Like, don't stop doing what you're doing to keep that passion high. But my guess is, my guess is that for many of us, that you might honestly say that there was a time in your life when you were more into the things of God than you are right now. That most of us would say that I used to be more passionate about God than I am today. And so today I would just ask you to acknowledge that. I would just ask you to acknowledge that and then ask yourself the question, how have I lost my spiritual edge. Because like, like you might recognize, you might recognize as you think about it, there was a time when you had like committed Christians around you that would encourage you and, 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 and push you to grow in your faith. Like you used to have some brothers or sisters around you that would pray for you and encourage you to grow in your faith. But now as you look around, uh, those Christians aren't around you anymore. Or maybe they're Christians that are around you, but they're not really building you up. 
to be, in, uh, to be the person that God has called you to be. And so maybe you've lost your spiritual edge because you don't have those people surrounding you. Or, or maybe there was a time when you served at Warehouse Church, like there was a time when you were all in and you were a door holder and you were serving and you loved, right? You loved being used by God and you loved making a difference with your gifts. And, and then COVID came or, or maybe you, you got busy and you stopped serving and, and you were going to get back to it. Like you had intentions to get back to it, but then it just never happened. And now you're missing something. And, and because you knew what it was like to be used by God, but now life is more about what you need than it is about serving God. Or, or maybe others of you used to have a passion for prayer. Like you may have been a prayer warrior. I mean, you, would, you used to get up early, right? And you used to get up early and you would pray long and hard for people and not just a few people, but a lot of people. Like you had a list of people that you would pray for every morning. And now... You're lucky if you pray over a meal. Like truth is, you haven't prayed in a significant way in a really long time. For some of you at one point in your life, some point in your life, you really love to share your faith with others. Like you got excited about sharing your faith with others. And you had a deep love for those who were outside the family of God. Like you loved the people that were outside of the church, but something happened along the way. And now you can't even remember the last significant spiritual conversation that you had with anyone. So I just want you to think about how have you lost your spiritual edge? Because Here's what I know. It can happen to any one of us. And I know that because the Bible tells us that there is a spiritual enemy out there whose mission, sole mission, is to steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. And so because that enemy is out there, I know that there are times when we get distracted. There are seasons in our lives where we lose our spiritual edge. In fact, I can tell you there have been seasons in my own life where I was just going through the motions, where I was a full-time pastor, but I was a part-time follower of Jesus Christ. Times when I would get up and I would pray on Sunday mornings in front of the church and realize that I hadn't even taken time to pray personally throughout the week. Or there would be times where I would study the Bible, but it was only to prepare for my message there was no personal devotion going on in my life. That there were times where I was a full-time pastor, but a part-time follower of Jesus. And I bet you can relate. I bet that some of you have become a full-time parent and a part-time follower of Jesus. That some of you have become a full-time student and a part-time follower of Jesus. That some of you have become a full-time business person and a part-time follower of Jesus. You didn't mean to. Like it wasn't your intentions to, but if you're honest, that's exactly what happened. That, that you didn't mean to become a part-time follower of Jesus, but that's what happened. You lost your spiritual edge. And so what do we do? What do we do when we're, when we're swinging away at life, right? What do we do when we're swinging away at life and the edge flies off? When the ax head flies off, how do you get that edge back? How do you re-engage? Well, I want us to look at Elijah's story and at the young prophet symbolically and how we can apply two really important truths to our lives to help us to get our edge back. And the number one thing that I want you to know is this, that we need to be honest about where we lost it. 
We need to be honest about where we lost our spiritual edge. In verse 6, Elijah asks the young prophet, he says, where did it fall? He's the guy's like, oh my gosh, Lord, I lost my, my axe head. And he's like, where did it fall? Where did you lose your edge? It's right where you left it. Just like my phone that day. I didn't lose it. I just misplaced it. It was right where I left it on the bathroom counter. So where did you lose your spiritual edge? Where did it fall? And I would ask you to, to think about that. Think about where did you start losing your spiritual edge? Y'all are smart people, right? Like I believe in you. And I believe that if you look back at your life, you can probably say, oh yeah, I remember where I took a wrong turn. That you can probably look back and say, that was the event. That was the moment when I took a wrong turn and I started to lose my spiritual edge. Maybe it was I made some friends that were probably the wrong friends and I began to lose my spiritual edge. Or maybe you could say when I started dating the wrong guy or the wrong girl, that's when I started losing my spiritual edge. Or, or maybe you could say when I dropped some spiritual disciplines, when I got too busy and I stopped praying and I stopped reading my Bible, that's when I began to lose my spiritual edge. Or maybe it's like when I stopped tithing, when I stopped giving generously to the church and, and I got behind and I just stopped it, that's when I began to lose my spiritual edge. You see, uh, you, you, you need to go back and remember that moment. Just identify it. That's the moment. Point to the moment. Like maybe you used to be really involved in warehouse groups where others would speak into your life, but you stopped going. And in that moment, then you stopped going. When you stopped surrounding yourself with other people who would encourage you and equip you and empower you, that's the moment you lost your spiritual edge. Or maybe it's when some of you, maybe you got hurt. Maybe you got hurt by the church, or maybe you got hurt by church people, or maybe you got hurt by the pastor. And, and, and you're like, hey, if those people are going to act that way, I don't need that. Like, they, they can forget it. I don't need that. And you stopped going to church, and you lost your spiritual edge. For me, it happened when I started caring about what other people thought about my spiritual life more than I took care of my own spiritual life. For me, it was when I cared more about my appearance. I cared more about what people thought about me than I did about taking care of myself spiritually. And so what about you? Where did you lose it? Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Look back and say, that's the moment. And then the second principle I want you to know is this, that with God's help, with God's help, you can take back what you lost. And this is the good news, that with God's help, you can take back what you lost because our God specializes in helping you to find what you didn't mean to lose. And so we see this in verse 6 and 7. It says, the man of God, Elijah, says, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elijah cut the stick and threw it there and made the iron float. And then he said, lift it out. And the man reached out with his hand and took it. Everybody say, lift it out. Lift it out. Say it with some conviction. Lift it out. So with God's help, you can take back what you lost if you'll just lift it out. If you'll ask God, God, I want to be that person that is passionate about you again. And God will say, great, then here's the opportunity. Take it. Here it is, right in my hand. Take it. And so remember a couple weeks ago, we studied about digging ditches. And we said that only God can send the water, but sometimes we have to dig the ditch. 
Last week, uh, only God can multiply the oil. He, only he can provide the oil that filled the widow's jars. Only he can provide the oil, but he wanted us to gather the jars. And this week, only God can make the axe head float. Like, you ain't no David Copperfield or David Blaine. You're not it. And so only God can make the axe head float. But he wants you, he wants you to lift it out of the water. He wants you to take back what you lost as he brings it back within your reach. Like it's right there. It's not lost. It's just misplaced. And he wants to help you to find it and to lift it out and take it back. But let me give you a warning, and it's an important warning, uh, that the moment that you start to think, the moment that you start to say to yourself, maybe I can get back what I lost, I promise you that there will be a voice in the back of your head that will say, oh, no, you can't take it back. It's too late. It's been too long, and you've gone too far, and you've done too much. You can't have back what you used to have. You can't take it back. You've lost the best of what you could ever have. That voice is going to whisper those lies into the back of your head, and I'm here this morning to tell you that it is a lie, and that with God, it's not too late to be that person that you could have been. It's not too late to be that person that you once were. It's not too late to be better than the person that you once were, because there's a God that loves you, the God that created the universe and loves you, and he specializes in helping you to find the things that you misplace and take them back and to be even better than you were before but he can only do it with God's help. Let me just tell you, and I want you to hear this. You haven't gone too far. Like some of you are like, Pastor Rick, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've become. You don't know the things I've said. And I want you to know that you haven't gone too far and you haven't done too much because God is a God of grace and forgiveness and he specializes in helping you find what you didn't even know you lost. He's gonna put it within your reach and all you have to do, all you have to do is lift it out. All you have to do is grab it. All you have to do is reach out and get it. There was a, a pastor, I, I planted a church many years ago and one of the pastors on our team, um, he had fallen, he had a moral failure. And, uh, and I remember we were in a meeting, we met weekly and we would get in this like boardroom and we would all sit around the table. We talk about ministry and we would pray and then we'd get on our knees and we would pray for our community, we'd pray for one another. And, and I'll just call him Billy. It's not his real name, but I'll call him Billy. And, uh, and Billy was in the room and he goes, guys, before we got to praying, he says, listen, I gotta, I gotta confess to you. Uh, I have failed morally. He said, I, I, have, I have not been pure in my relationship with my girlfriend and I have failed. And, and as my brothers in Christ, I need you to know that. Now, most churches would have probably sent Billy packing. Most churches would have probably said, well, you can't be on staff here anymore. We love you. Sorry, but goodbye. But this church didn't do that. This church said, Billy, we love you. And, and, and we're behind you. And yes, you're going to have to take some time off. But we want to pray with you. We want to help... Uh, help you to become the person that you once were. We want you to get your spiritual edge back. We want to see you uh, back to who you were before this happened. 
And so, so Billy got involved in some therapy. He got involved in counseling. He got involved in a transformation group. He was surrounded by accountability. And, and nine months later, Billy was back on the stage and he was back leading worship again. And now today, Billy has uh, planted a church and is the pastor of a thriving church in Florida. And, and, and I want you to know that he lost. He thought he lost what he had. He thought there was no getting it back. He's like, listen, guys, I understand if you want me to leave. I understand if you, if you don't want, ever, want me to ever uh, lead anymore. I get it. And he was like, I lost it. I did too much. I've crossed the line. But God's like, you know, you've never done too much. You've never done too much. And here's what, what we need to know is that you can do what you can do, and you trust God to do what only God can do. And God restored Billy, and God restored Billy's ministry. And now he's sitting there in Central Florida, and he's leading a church, and he's doing amazing things. And so listen to me. You can't make an axe head float. You can't do it. If you can, cool magic trick, but you can't do it. Uh, but you can. You can lift it out when God brings it within your reach. You can do that. You can take your step forward. You can say, God, I for, please forgive me. You can repent of your sin. You can repent of your, of your neglecting God. You can repent of those things, and God will come, and he will receive you with open arms and begin to transform you back into the person that you once were. He'll begin to give you that passion that you once had for the things of God. I don't know where you are today. I don't know, I don't know uh, how you're hurting or how you've drifted from God or even how far you've drifted from God, but I do know this, that God uh, wants you to know that you haven't gone too far, that you're not uh, out of his reach, that he wants to bring you back into his presence, and he wants to breathe that passion back into your life, and he wants to see you to become the person that maybe you once were, but even better than that, he wants you to become better than the person that you once were, that you can be the person that you were meant to be, because God specializes in helping people uh, find what they did not mean to lose. And that's how good our God is. So let's pray. Father, this morning I pray. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring a divine healing to the hearts of the people in this room today. God, because I know, I know that there are people in this room who have drifted far from you that there are people in this room who have, uh, are not as passionate about you as they once were, that there are people in this room that said, I once had it, but now I've lost it, that there was a time when they were more passionate about you and, 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 and than they are now, that there was a time that they were more intimate with you than they are now, that there was a time when they were more on fire for you than they were now. But Lord, they recognize that they've lost it, and Lord, they want it back. And with God's help, Lord, with your help, you can help us to lift it out of the water and take back what we lost. So if that's you this morning, if you've drifted from God, I just want you to just say, I want my spiritual edge back. I want my spiritual edge back. And don't just ask for what you once were, but ask for more. And so if that's you this morning,
If you're sitting there in the seat and you're like, man, I'm recognizing that's me. I've drifted. I'm not as passionate about God as I used to be. I want to be that passionate. If that's you, I just, to this morning, I just want you to lift your hand. Like, I just want you to lift your hand and keep it up. Just lift the hand and say, God, I want what I lost. I want to be passionate about you again. I want to live my life for you again. I want to be on fire for you again. I want what I once had. That's you. Just lift your hand. Just keep them up. Just keep them up. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you this morning. Let's pray. Father, I pray. God, I pray that in this moment that there would be a divine spiritual breakthrough happening in the lives of the people that have lifted their hands up to you. God, that their hearts would be broken, that their hearts would not just be broken, but they'd be mended back together and they would be more passionate about you than they were before. And that, that they would recognize that, yes, they've fallen but Lord, that, that even though they've fallen, that they can repent of that and they can say, I'm sorry for that and receive your forgiveness and not only receive your forgiveness, Lord, but they can be better and more passionate and more excited about you than they once were. Father, would you restore their spiritual passion to an even greater place than they've ever experienced before? God, that they would be so overflowing with your love that wherever they go, that people would go, I want what they have. God, would you help them this morning to find what they never meant to lose? God, just pour into them your love. Pour into them your passion. Pour into them your grace this morning. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much. And then I know there's some people in here this morning too that you, you've never lost it because you never had it that you've never had a relationship with Jesus and you've never known the joy of knowing that you're forgiven by Christ, that, that you've never experienced the supernatural peace of God, that you've never realized that because of the sin in your life that you are separated from a holy and loving God, but because of his goodness, because of God's great love for us, he sent his son who was without sin to become our sin for us to die on the cross and to be raised again from the dead so that anyone, including anyone in this room who calls on your name, Lord, would be transformed, would be forgiven, and would be spiritually healed. So if that's you this morning, if you want that forgiveness, if you want that life with Christ, if you want that passion, I just invite you, I just want you to lift your hands up this morning. If that's you, if you just want Jesus in your life, if you want to experience that supernatural power in your life, just raise your hands, just lift them up. Nobody's looking, just lift your hand up. And let me pray for you. Let's just pray together this prayer. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe that Jesus died for me and he rose again so that I could live for you. God, would you fill me with your spirit so I can follow you, not just today and not just tomorrow, but all the days of my life. Thank you for the new life that I have in you. I give you my life. In your name I pray, amen.